0: The Athletic
1: This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. We're going to reflect on the Everton win on Friday night. We're recording late on Sunday evening. We're trying to Fitting podcasts into Manchester United's packed schedule at the moment as well. We've got the Charlton quarter final in the League Cup to look forward to. We've got Vout updates, which I'm sure you're all tuning in for, and other assorted Manchester United transfer issues to discuss. Um, let's introduce you to our merry men today. Then we've got Andy Mitten and Carl Anker with us. Evening, gentlemen. Evening, Carl. Um, you were there on Friday night. Standard on win. Yeah,
0: it's it's getting there, isn't it? Uh, Andy Schools in the first. Four four minutes, and uh, United had a opening period where you are going, hang on, this this could be uh, onto an eye dinner. There could be three or four goals. Everton got a little bit of aggression there, and then you are going, oh no, you know you remember the fear of the old United. But second half, Marcus Rashid did Marcus Rashid things, and, and this is what United do now they're, they're they're able to to grit and grind and score more than one goal and, and get a win in a way that's quite pleasing. They look like a vaguely competent football team. Uh, and considering how bad last year was, I'm going to enjoy saying that when it happens.
2: Yeah, are we bored yet, Andy? No, I think it was it was notable. I think <laughs> Marcus was man of the match, as Carl alluded to. I think we should mention David de Gea's mistake, which led to Manchester United's run of consecutive clean sheets. I, I've seen to an that. End. I like, can see you shaking your edits. I've seen 100
1: it a hundred times, was, and I think, and I still can't work out what exactly happened or what was trying to happen. Yeah, I don't know.
0: It was a real five a side mistake. So I, I'm gonna assume he's hoping to coll- like drop down to his knees when the ball comes through, and sort of do a long barrier technique. But
1: he, he didn't collapse, did he?
0: Yeah. So he, very often De Gea does that. If you're, you know, you cricket, he sort of drops and puts his knee to cover the gap, so he can't get nutmegged. And that's what I was half expecting him to do, and he just didn't do it, as if he forgot. <laughs> Utterly bizarre. And, and then again for the for the second goal. That Cavalier yeah. scored scored, uh, and was shocked off for offside. His hand was on the post again. Uh, and I was again, like, haven't you learned your lesson here? Yeah, really, really bizarre uh, 90 minutes with the hair. They made a couple of good saves, but uh, again, had two or three of those moments where you go, right, this is this is a nice problem that Ten Hag needs to sort out before it becomes a nasty one.
2: United are winning the, the win rate under Ten Hag, 73% now. We've not come close to that in the post-Ferguson years. I was really worried about a replay because that's the last thing Manchester United needed. I thought the team looked really confident at the start. And we're not getting a game where they all click in and play brilliantly, but you're still getting 7 out of 10. And Ferg used to say 8 out of 11 will do you. And we are seeing that with Manchester United. They're winning all the time, 7 straight wins. It's a really, really good uh, record. Another full house at Old Trafford, nine and a half thousand Everton fans. Of course, it was a home draw because they always are at the moment. But no, we've we've complained that the team have not been scoring enough goals. Another three goals have gone in there, and while well, Carl said um, Anthony might need a you know a bit of a talking to, he's not hitting the heights. He did score with 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 his right foot, which isn't his natural foot, and. I think Ten Hag's just looking at all of the players and he's always got two or three who are of concern to Manchester United fans and Anthony would be one of them at the moment there are a couple of others, but... I'm trusting in his methods. The end result is that Manchester United are winning every game they play at the moment. If we can say that in a week's time, I'll be absolutely buzzing. <laughs> yeah,
1: de- oh, definitely,
2: considering what's coming up. In, in two weeks' time as well. Um, especially
1: now there's another game with Crystal Palace uh, being arranged uh, away at Sellers, Park between the Derby and Arsenal in the Premier League. I'm going to come back to Marcus Rashford in a moment, I think, cause there's a-, a couple of points on him. But we we're talking about Anthony there, Carl. You've written about the quotes. A friend of mine, Fred caldera did the, the interview with him after the game against Everton. And he, he used the word that he had a shock, which he seemed to sort of suggest that it was a, a personal issue, I think, of, of some description. He didn't elaborate. But, um yeah, it sort of a strange admission in, in some senses to, to say that something happened and then not explain what it was and leave it hanging like that. What did you make of it?
0: I think it's important to remember how young Anthony is not just in terms of physical age, but also, you know, he's not made 15 appearances for Manchester United. He, he's just got here. He's living in Paul Pogba's old house. Is that right? He, he, yeah, he's living in Paul Pogba's old house in, in the outskirts of Manchester. Is he redecorated? I think I think that he's, there was like a video of it and he showed around the um, pool table and it's got PP on it still. Oh, so nice. It's that sort of thing, right? <laughs> Obviously, we're always going to talk about the amount of money spent on Anthony. It was 100 million euros. He stopped, you know, Basically, went on strike at Ajax. to help force the remove. Um, the idea was uh, Ten Hag wanted him now because Ten Hag, because Anthony was supposed to be the player who understood Ten Hag's way of playing better than anyone. So the idea was he'd hit the ground running, and he's not. He's he's had some teething problems. He's looked a bit nervous and a bit raw. Uh, and the injury problem he had before the World Cup meant that he, he didn't get enough sort of reps uh, at a very crucial time as the team was coalescing. So there's that.
1: There's a but though, isn't there, Carl? And you wrote about it in, in uh, The Athletic. There's a, a piece that's up there on, on Marcus Rashford's display on Friday night that people can go and read. We'll talk about some of the bits in there about Rashford in a moment, like I just teased a moment ago. But in that, you say that Anthony provides clarity and energy that United have often gone without on the right wing. What exactly did you mean by that?
0: So I think if, if you look at, you know, across Ole and Solskjaer's time, the right-hand side was Dan James and then eventually another striker who was, you know, the plan was he was going to go through the middle, so there wasn't really that right-sided player who, who was going to make it their own, Daniel James preferred playing on the left uh, and for ages there was just this big problem with where everything was going on, on the left-hand side and teams knew you could pack now on the right left-hand side because the right was Wan-Bissaka and, and another player and nothing would really happen and now there is something there and yes, okay, it is very very obvious that Anthony wants to cut inside on his left and shoot. Uh, And there were two or three times against Everton where defenders were just sort of dropping, jockeying, and going, go on then, try it. You can can try and cut inside. Uh, Because there's uh,
1: no option to go on the outside, is there still? Beating a man still to him at the moment seems too much almost, which is bizarre for a winger of that caliber He's
0: isn't He's not got explosive pace, right? He's not rapid in the same way Marcus Rashford is rapid. You know he's not quick in the same way that let's say even Antonio can be really quick running in behind. So that is a problem. He's not going to beat the fullback to cut inside because he's just so quick he can't do it. He also doesn't have, you know, Ian Robbins' repertoire of tricks. Uh, so they the thing they always said was how did Robin cut inside and shoot all the time? Uh, and the thing was he he didn't do it the same way. He like a boxer he sort of had four or five different jabs and feints and I'm bobbing and weaving in my chair. You can imagine that's what Robin did, uh, and Anthony has a very, very clear. I'm dropping my shoulder now. You can tell I'm 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 going to do it, and now he's playing the Premier League. Defends are bigger, defends are quicker. They're just stopping him. Smarter, aren't they? Yeah. So I tweeted this before, and I'd say because he's not explosively quick, you can either you know you either have a coach say, "Here's a bunch of iron Robin tapes. Learn how to bob and weave and and put some trickery on it," or you get another coach go, "We're going to put you in the weight room." And say we're well, just going to make you so strong that when you cut inside, you can use your other arm to fend the other guy off. Or what I think is more likely to happen is Ten Hag is going to keep getting in his ear going. You have a right foot, use it. But at the moment, I, I, a bit of
1: it is confidence, is it? A bit of it is belief. Do you feel that Andy as well with him? Because you know Carl's right; he is young. You know, it's a new league, it's a new country, it's a new team, etc., cetera,
2: etc. Cetera. You know, he's not the first one who's not made an immediate impact. He's a kid from a favela in in Sao Paulo, and The culture shock obviously helps him a lot that he moved to to Holland first and started to learn English there, but you need to look into his background and the part of Sao Paulo that he's from. Uh, I spoke to some people in Sao Paulo recently who knew him. And one of his coaches said he was actually a very shy kid. Uh, He was suspicious of everything. It was hard to earn his trust. But at the same time, with the ball at his feet, he was brave. He always wanted to compete. He had a strong personality. He was fearless. He was curious. And I think he's finding his way. And we just have to cut him a bit of slack in his first season in Manchester. I think that Ten Hag, having worked closely with him, pushed hard for him, regardless of the cost. And this is on him. And I think you've got to back the manager's uh, decision there. I think Anthony's one of these... uh, players or humans who likes to prove people wrong. And his development was not straightforward. Uh, he wasn't always playing in the position that he now plays in. He didn't have a prestigious goal scoring record as a youngster. It was put to me that he wasn't a natural goal scorer. Didn't come easy for him. This wasn't Neymar. This wasn't uh, Rabinio. He only really started to be noticed in the under twenties team at Sao Paulo. When he was in the under-15s team, he was just another player. He took longer to flourish. He took time to settle and flourish. So if this is happening again, then it might be worth waiting for him to flourish. We've seen moments both of extreme skill and also frustration, of course. Probably the most famous one uh, was the Sheriff game at Old Trafford, and we discussed that on the podcast. But I'm inclined to cut him a bit of slack. He's a young lad, and
0: hopefully he, he will come good. He's an interesting player in that he's very clearly got something up top. He's very clearly good in the classroom, from what I'm seeing. What Ten Hag says, do this, you know, when the ball comes here, stand here and do these things. I think he gets that. But there are times where he's receiving the ball in open space, and he does something, and I go, hang on, why did you do that? Uh, and there were maybe two or three passes into open space, you know, the, you know the, the Martial Rashford's, they do a couple of passes, the ball goes out wide, and everyone starts flooding forward. Uh, and Anthony slowed it down because you knew immediately he wanted to cut inside on his left. And you're just going, if you just went on the outside, this would be money. Uh, and I think that will be the next big thing. I had a talk with Ten Hag after the game about Rashford's working with his left foot uh, and about how you sort of develop that. And he made it clear that he wants his players to learn these stuff, but also sometimes you just don't have the time.
1: Yeah, so much of it these days is just recovery and preparation for the next game. Just fit, just physical stuff, isn't it? You know, there's so little time between matches. Let's talk about Marcus Rashford then. I've teased it a couple of times. One of my favourite quotes of the season so far, and it didn't come from someone connected with Manchester United, it came from the manager of Everton, Frank Lampard. Nobody can stop Rashford when he's like he was tonight. That's great, Andy, when you're getting up opposing managers saying that about one of your players, isn't it? He just goes
2: from strength to strength to strength. It's brilliant to see. And and he's right. He is wonderful to watch when he's fit, when he's in full flow, doing which fans love, which is watching him run at players, beat players. The directness. Yeah, he was on yeah. it right from the start. You combine that with his control. I think his physical side of his game has really come on this year under Eric Ten Hag. I know he was he was told to go more for his fifty fifties to win the balls. A good example of that was the goal at Wolves recently, mm-hmm. where physically he pushed his way through and scoring. He's becoming prolific. He scored yet again. What is it, six or seven games now? Because five goals in five games. First time he's done that yeah. in his career. And he wasn't he wasn't prolific before that. He was he was playing all right. He was having a decent season, but he's scoring all the time now. Would he be Manchester United's Player of the Year so far, It'd be him or Casemiro? Wouldn't it? He's he's a star player and uh, he's having a really good good season, and I think it's great to see. And if he can do that against Manchester City and Arsenal, as he it. has done before, let's see it. Yeah, then we're cooking. Yeah, in the past actually, Carly
1: has been someone who's raised his game for the big matches, hasn't he? His record against Liverpool and City and. And the other top sides usually shows up for those games, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's actually been these sort of matches that have been the issue in some ways, rather than those big games.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it wasn't too long ago on the Mr. Mourinho where it looked as if Rashford, you know, people were saying Rashford needs to go out on loan to Everton to to figure out what his attacking game would be. Uh, I think, yeah, and he's bang on. The physicality to, to Rashford's game is an entirely new element. His his upper body strength is something i have not seen before he, he's he's got the thing that Anthony needs to get where you can just barrel through a defender if you want to get it I think the the second assist for the own goal that Connor Cody converted that's the really impressive bit because it's Rashford going on the outside on the left and then crossing the ball with his weaker foot those are things that Rashford didn't do with great frequency before you know we spoke on his podcast about how when Rashford gets annoyed he tries to not make the fullback or knuckleball shot he's got the knuckleball shot when he's getting really really annoyed Uh, and we're not seeing that he's still not making people which is very pleasing but we've not had that moment where his head's gone down he sort of shook his head and go, i'm gonna knuckleball it i don't care what happens next because he's now got four or five extra tricks four or five extra bits to his game that he he can he can do instead uh the fact he's got a signature celebration now is is kind of fun What, what do you want to call it ian when he points to his head i
1: don't know I've I've been considering this. So is this is this definitely him? He's not he's not seen it from someone else. It's someone. This,
0: this appears to be him. So he's done it after four, these last three or the four mindset goals. Mindset man. Yeah, and he's done it on his Instagram when he's just hanging about with his fiance and his friend. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess this is his sign that he's locked in.
1: It's the mindset man. isn't it? Mindset man locked it. in. The thinker. Yeah, listeners,
0: yeah. please let us know what we're calling the it. Wivington. <laughs> Because that's where he's from.
2: <laughs> and everyone says he's from Withenshaw. but actually he started out in Wivington. And Wivington is a is a good red area. Blues will disagree with me. But yeah, give that place a bit of credit for the development in Marcus when he was a kid before he moved over towards Wivenhoe.
1: Created two of us, Withington.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean if we were doing this on Friday night would have felt confident, wouldn't we, about United's chances moving forward in the competition. But a lot of Premier League teams are out Andy. I think as many as 10 actually could be missing by the time the fourth round comes around with replays and, and matches still to, to take place. Um And Reading in the next round at home again. Uh, I'm expecting a tweet at some point to update us on what the odds of however many straight home draws it's been now in the FA Cup and the League Cup. But... You know, they're in the quarterfinals of the League Cup this week as well. Uh, a game that Manchester United expect to win. We'll, we'll preview that game in a bit because obviously Andy's done a, a brilliant interview with um, with Charlton's manager ahead of that game. A massive Manchester United fan. His name's on a seat in the Stratford end, even which we'll talk about in a bit. Um,
2: but th- it, this is looking very encouraging, isn't it? I've saved the odds for this podcast. 255 to 1. That's from... Uh... Duncan Quinton, who's a listener of this podcast. Yeah? Is that all? That's, that's the odds on getting eight consecutive home
0: draws. It doesn't sound a lot, does it? But
1: No, it doesn't, does it? I'm not the so
0: bookmaker. The last away one was Leicester City, the, the feat to Leicester City in the quarterfinals. That's finals. right.
2: Yeah, 2021. Yeah. So from what I've gathered, the odds keep doubling. So if, <laughs> if we get a ninth and tenth one, I just wonder now that will the final be switched to Old Trafford? Because... Manchester United seem immune from playing any domestic cup games away from Old Trafford. (laughs) And Reading. Reading was one of them Derby County type clubs who Manchester United kept getting drawn against. This is the fifth time since 2007 that Manchester United have been drawn at home to Reading. It's bizarre. And you're quite right to talk about the big Premier League clubs who've gone out. The draw's been really good for Manchester United and... I don't think every season ticket holder who is in the automatic cup scheme is as infused by all his home draws because y- your money gets taken out straight away, whether you like it or not. There's debits. a lot of direct debits yeah. there and it's it's becoming, I'm not going to say ridiculous, but it's just mad how many home games there are at the moment. But the FA Cup is looking decent for Manchester United. Of course, at some point, you're going to draw you know, Manchester City in the semi-final and that's going to be the real test of it, but it's a competition United really should be going to win and and should be beating Reading in the next round no excuses if you want to read more about United's win
1: on Friday of course you can go to The Athletic and have a look at the articles on there if you're not a subscriber you can sign up now with our special podcast offer of £1.99 a month for a year when you go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod Don't listen to the sensationalists. The Athletic, especially Talk of the Devils, is the best place to get trustworthy, unvarnished information during the silly season. Here is Laurie Whitwell, who only a few days ago told us that January was going to be a quiet month for Manchester United.
3: Hi guys, I'm well aware that I am ripe for an Ian Irving wind-up given I suggested United might go January without signing a striker and now here we are. I'm quite glad, though, that my reply to Sam Billings, the England international cricketer, was on the money, at least. He responded to my tweet about the last Talk of the Devils podcast, asking, are we in for a striker? And I said, definitely, Uh, and it would be a loan or a low-cost option. Uh, And obviously, that was flagged by the aggregators. Uh, The word definitely was (laughs) uh, capitalised in certain places, so... Yeah, I'm glad that they are definitely after a striker. Wout though, is the name that's surprising everyone, I suppose. It was quite a, a whirlwind a uh, couple of hours on Saturday night when this news broke. It was originally broken by Santi Aurora. I had actually got a tip about Weghorst the night before from somebody over in Holland, and I kind of wasn't really sure whether it was legitimate or not. asked around, but wasn't able to get anything substantial until it broke elsewhere. And Andy Jones and Adam Lenthal were brilliant at supporting it from different aspects as well um, in terms of Besiktas and Burnley. On reflection, it makes a lot of sense from Eric Tan Hag's perspective and the fact that he's gettable and the fact that he very much fits this loan option because actually... Sort of further to my information at that point in the week, it came to me that United would only do loans and wasn't even a low cost deal that they, they wanted to do. They don't want to give a two year contract to a player that's you know out of contract this summer just because they're cheap. Now Valtbergos, he obviously got a contract at Burnley and he's over on loan at Besiktas. They have held talks about it. United with Burnley and the player, I think he's up for the move. He's pushing for it. You can see why he would want that, but it's a complicated one because Besiktas have a ten million euro. Option to buy. So, you know, would they actually relinquish that? And also, Burnley, they would probably want compensation because th- th- there's an asset there f- for them. So I think Besiktas would need a uh, financial remuneration. I think Burnley might as well. So it'd be an interesting how that all shakes down but yeah certainly there's been talks about Valt Veghorst and I I, I could see this one happening it's still early days and and United do have other targets there's there's a list of of strikers but the pool isn't vast and he does tick quite a few boxes albeit he didn't have a great time at Burnley last season there's also this idea that actually there were some clashes with Burnley teammates confidence he certainly has that bordering on arrogance uh, I mean that was certainly what some uh, teammates I think felt and it didn't really work out for him there but I think United will look at that and think actually he's some that would not be overawed by Old Trafford. It's been a big pillar of what Eric Ten Hag tried to instill with all his signings, that kind of aspect of character. Uh, it was the reason why they you know, went after Marco Anatovic and obviously that had huge backlash and was aborted. This one actually, a lot of people you know are are kind of dismayed or, or uninspired by Vergus being flagged, but quite a few people are okay with it. You know, see him as a thirty year old striker who's you know played at the World Cup recently. I mean, for me, scored you know the best goal of the world Cup, that that moment when he equalized against Argentina was a kind of wow moment. Um and he's obviously got a good record in Turkey, uh, sort of one in two. And for the circumstances, yeah, for a six-month loan, you can see why Ericrickson Haag would be after it, and he offers something else up front. Um, obviously, that there's wider questions to be asked about in writing's recruitment structure and, and why we're here again. It's not quite uh, the same situation as Odin Agala, who they had to get in from China. But yeah, it's it's in that kind of bracket. But if Eric Ten Hag wants him, which he does, and I think he might well have spoken to Louis van Gaal about this, that they're quite close and van Gaal obviously had cost at the World Cup, then you could see why it's a goer. But keep your eyes peeled because it is a complicated deal and it's not at the advanced stage yet, they're still having talks about how it could actually shake down because it's it's not straightforward. It would be Burnley having to recall him from his loan. But Bashik Test would have to agree to that. And then it would be a new loan from Burnley to Manchester United.
1: Andy without Ved
3: Cost,
2: really. Really? And if this is who the manager wants, I think you've got to back him. He's got a compromise. The money's been spent the credit card is maxed out. Manchester United are not going to be signing anyone and giving him a two- or three-year contract. And when Eric Ten Hag talked about all the different players and strikers that he liked in that big, long interview uh, just over a month ago, of course he's going to say he likes world-class players, but clubs don't want to let him go. We're not going to be seeing a repeat of the transfer windows when Manchester United spent £55 million on on Bruno Fernandes. And it does seem odd that a player who's, Perceived to have failed at Burnley and has gone to Turkey. Suddenly ends up at Manchester United. But I think Eric Hag knows a lot more about him than any of the Manchester United fans listening to this. And I'm curious. I've got my doubts. This isn't like a Casemiro shoe-in where you go, world-class player. is going to come in and do absolutely brilliant. But even then, loads of Manchester United fans had doubts about that. So if he does sign, or if it is somebody else, uh, I think they'll be given a fair chance by Manchester United fans, mainly because they trust the manager, they like the manager, the team's winning. And as we've seen with United up front, I know three was scored in the last couple of matches, but Anthony Martial still not scoring, is he? It's not quite happening for him. I know there's more to his game than just goals, and he came back and uh, contributed in the move to that opening goal against Everton, but there's games every two minutes. The squad needs to be bigger, and it needs
0: strikers. Oh, on Friday, um, Ten Hag was asked about Martial and Martial's sort of lack of goals at the moment. Uh, and he, he gave an answer saying, you know, he's really important. Russell reiterated why Martial why Martial's really important and what he offers. But also said Martial can't hope, he said that he, that he cannot handle the physical load of playing every three days. Or, you know, use words to the effect of he can't play. You know, you can't do it.
1: Well, he's also being asked to play ninety minutes yeah, every yeah, three days as yeah. well, isn't it? I mean, he's not being asked to because he's been taken off early, but you catch my drift. He's expecting to start all these games. He has to almost. Yeah,
0: and, and Ten Hag said it's not possible. Martial was it, for one reason or another—physical fitness accumulation, of injuries, um, or or the fact that Martial at seventy-five percent fitness can't do it. But yeah, they need a player, if only because Martial cannot do this. Um, course makes some sense. Uh, so I had a look at you know, I fired up FB Ref and whatnot. Uh, I looked up some of these things at Wolfsburg, uh, and he was a bit of a pressing machine over at Wolfsburg in terms of character and spirit. Uh, yeah, we, we can understand why Ten Hag likes him. What Laurie said there about Van Hal and Ten Hag going well, uh, if you are based in the UK and listen to this, I recommend the Van Hal documentary that's on Amazon Prime. There's a little moment where. Van Hal meets Ten Haag and you can tell Ten Hag is just a little bit starstruck. Uh, there's like two or three bits where he, he sort of f- f- stumbles over his words, like "Uh, yeah." Anyway, it's Van Hal. He, he's here. It's great. It's amazing. And it stops. And Louis goes, "Thank you." Turns to the IX team and goes, "Right, if I was still here, you'd all be learning Dutch." Anyway, etc. 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 So you can tell those two I have had a couple of chats about football recently. Their uh, makes sense in the same way Sebastian Haller made sense for Ajax Uh, so there have been two or three times I think towards the back end of of Ten Hag's time at Ajax he grew a fondness for having a physically dominant striker uh, and the Ajax of the last two years crossed the ball a lot more that worked at Ajax because in the area of the Vise your average centre-back is just not as good at defending crosses as your average Premier League centre-back If you you did have your doubts about what he did at Burnley, okay, I can understand that. And yeah, he is still largely unproven. And if we're being brutally honest about it, Manchester United don't really have crossing people, right? Rashford wants to cut inside on left and shoot. Uh, Anthony wants to cut inside and do in-swing crosses. There's not anyone doing those classic out-swingers to the near post that a number nine can crash all the time. So it will need some teething and recalibration if Verco's turns up. I can just about understand why Ten Hag wants him. I have questions as to how it's going to work if Weghorst does turn up. But I think regardless of who comes in, it's going to be like that because the price point is so, I'm doing a hand gesture here, weird.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but it's complicated to do this deal as well, isn't it? Because you're effectively going to probably end up paying Besiktas as well as Burnley to get Mm -hmm. this player on loan because obviously Besiktas will have him for the season and there's a few hurdles to jump before he arrives. I sort of, asked that question in jest before a little bit because his record actually when he arrived at Burnley back in January from the Bundesliga was very very impressive uh, over, only Robert Lewandowski over that period had scored more goals than Wout than Weghorst in the German top division um, like Carl mentioned as well his pressing has been a, a real feature of his game prior to the time that he spent at Burnley so again that that feels like it will be useful to Ten Hag if he was able to get Wout Weghorst through the door however surprising a name that was just to crop up there's details on The Athletic about it and explainer about how the deal can be done and, and why Manchester United are interested. Laurie's written that up with Andy Jones and Adam Leventhal's help, like you he mentioned before. There's also a story from Adam about Vincent Abubakar, who could well be Vout horse replacement at Besiktas because he's just been replaced by a player whose name that we won't mention at a club called Al Nasser over in Saudi Arabia. You might know who we're referring to. But we mentioned at the top of this section, Andy, about the silly season. Harry Maguire to Villa definitely falls into that category, doesn't it? Can we put that one to bed?
2: Yeah, because... As I understand, he's not going to Aston Villa. It's as simple as that. It's one of these things which catches fire. He's just playing golf near there. Yeah, you see stuff on on Twitter and it, it goes wild and people start commenting on it. And you think, it's fine to comment, but it's not actually true. And as a journalist, things should be true. If you're going to write something, it should be factually correct. And my understanding is that it's not factually correct, so don't think Harry Maguire is imminently going to Aston Villa.
1: No, he was definitely at the Belfry today, though, because my brother-in-law texted me shortly before we recorded this podcast to say that he'd seen Harry Maguire there. Um, but that obviously doesn't mean that he's joining Aston Villa. Um, Maguire is just one of the names being linked with a move away now, Carl. Uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka is another one. Uh, a whole host of clubs in the Premier League uh, seem to be interested in him. Even Scott McTominay has been linked with Newcastle, I think, as well. Um how do you see it sort of shaking down? Because it, it doesn't feel like United is really a squad that needs a lot of trimming this month with all the games that they've got
0: coming up. No. Uh, I also understand that Anthony Langa was linked to Everton as well. Uh, there is a surplus in certain areas. I think, as I talked to you, I, I, it was only the other day, I, w- you know, I watched the highlight of the Marseille game, and, oh yeah, Eric baye probably should probably saw his future one day. Uh, and you know, Axel to is another player who, who could probably have a conversation about what he wants to do with his future. But uh, someone like Aaron Wan-Bissaka was okay in, in, in recent games on the Ten Hag, but doesn't strike me as a Ten Hag-style player. But also if he goes, who's playing right back when Dallow can't? Because Dallas played f- probably too many minutes of football. Uh, and that sort of doesn't quite make sense. A uh, Similar thing with Scott McTominay. I don't think he was particularly fantastic in the second half against Everton. Ten Hag swapped to a 5-3-2 with McFred and Bruno Fernandes. Uh, but also, if you take Scott McTominay out, then Casemiro and Christian Eriksen are going, hang on, who, who replaces us in the 75th minute when we're blowing? Because that will happen. That is happening. There's going to be a point this month where Manchester United have to play three games in eight days. At a certain point, you need bodies. Uh, and while many United fans goes, ah, oh, just sell them and play one of the kids. I think Ten Hag knows when's the best time to promote someone from the academy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned Eric Bailly before, actually. Um, Google Eric Bailly and you'll find a very interesting red card from mm. uh, a French <laughs> Cup game with Marseille this weekend. Eric Bay is still Eric buying in France. Um, misses craziness sometimes. Not often, but sometimes. (laughs) Um, Remember, for all the transfer news, keep it to The Athletic. Lots and lots of detail on there every single day throughout January. If you're not a subscriber, a reminder again, there's the offer on at the moment, £1.99 a month for a year when you sign up at theathletic.com forward slash Man United Pod. Right, we've just got one last thing on the agenda, and that's the small matter of a domestic cup quarter final for Manchester United to look forward to on Tuesday. Um, and it's a really interesting matchup against the Charlton Athletic side, who is managed by one of Andy Mitten's friends, uh, who is a lifelong Manchester United fan, who I said before has got his name on a seat in the Stretford end, whose dad, will be confused about who he's supporting on Tuesday, I imagine, as well, because he's a, a season ticket holder at Old Trafford as well. Uh, Dean Holden, Andy, he's got a, a very, very... Uh, well, it's, it's a heartbreaking story, um, in fairness, that what he's been through as, as a father, but also a, a sort of colourful football story and career and managerial career so far as well.
2: Read it. If you subscribe, read the story. I put everything into it, but not as much as Dean put into it. I've been writing for a long time and the only time I've ever shed a tear while interviewing someone was when Dean was telling me about his 17 month old daughter dying on a, a family holiday to the Canaries. They're just like, I, 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 what do you say to that? And he's such a great lad. He's, he's, uh, the United fan. Had a season ticket since he's been a kid. Got offered terms at United but chose to go to Bolton Wanderers because he thought he'd have more chance getting in the first team, which he did do under Sam Allardyce. Played around, lots of different clubs. The fans love him wherever he went. So you can see the reaction to that piece wherever he's managed, wherever he's played. They absolutely love him and with good reason because he's a great lad and he had three months uh, out of the game for the first time in his 20-year professional career. And he's now the Charlton Athletic manager. So, he went in a pub before their game against Brighton in the previous round because he just wanted to meet Charlton fans and, and gauge what they were talking about. And they were very unhappy because their club is in a really bad place.
1: It has been for a while now as well, hasn't it? To be Yeah, fair, it has. Considering it, it the has. years they
2: had under Alan Kirvishley in the Premier League. Well, they were 18th in the third tier when, when Dean took charge. and he went in the pub. I love him for stuff like that, speaking to real fans. And in them three months, he'd go to all the Man United games and he'd speak to people. He's just a normal lad from Salford who's good at football. And he said, i uh, love it if we drew Manchester United in the next <laughs> round. The next day, Charlton Athletic, draw Manchester United. They've sold 9,400 <laughs> tickets. They're a big club. He's not been back to Manchester since he moved down there. He obviously will be coming back. The whole of Manchester, the whole of Salford wants to be his mate. Any chance you can get us a ticket, Dean? None of these people rang him when he was unemployed two months ago. <laughs> he remembers the people who did ring him, people like Sam Allardyce, actually, Steve Cooper at Nottingham Forest, Thomas Frank at Brentford. They all invited him down, spend a few days there, and he's he's, he's got a really good humour, and I'm delighted because Charlton Athletic have started winning matches. So they've risen from 18th to 12th now. I hope they get spanked at Old Trafford. Actually, that's too strong. <laughs> I, I hope they lose. Hi, Dean, if you're listening, he will be listening though because he's a United fan. It <laughs> pulls you up on articles in United We Stand and goes and chats to the sellers. And <laughs> the first time I actually came across him, this was bizarre. This is 2004, and I knew a lad who went to play for Falkirk in Scotland. And my name came up in conversation and Dean said, do you know Andy? Really? <laughs> and next time I went to watch my mate play, I got to know Dean. I've followed him ever since through thick and thin and if you lose your daughter in the circumstances that Dean lost, lost his daughter. It's absolutely tragic. R- read the piece and I think you'll read it and think you want this guy to do well in life because the world is a better place with humans like him in it. It really is.
1: Yeah, definitely. And there's a lovely section of the piece where he's talking about watching the the draw when Charlton were drawn against Manchester United. Bearing in mind, like Andy's just said, he's only just taken over at Charlton at this point. Uh, watching it with his son, uh, and then they get Manchester United, and then he's having to ring his dad. Uh, this is the line: I FaceTime my dad, lump in my throat. He's a lifelong United fan. He'll sit there and watch his son lead out a team at Old Trafford. That's going to be incredibly special for them, certainly. Um Let's talk about the United aspect of it. Of course, people can go read Andy's piece with Dean Holden on The Athletic now, but for United, Carl, what are you expecting? Is this going to be a changed team? Because he doesn't rotate much, Ten Hag, does he? And I don't think he can take too many risks because uh, he, they want to maintain the momentum that they've built up in recent times, but he also needs to be aware of just how many games are coming up. It's going to be a, um, a team sheet to keep an eye on, I think, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think this is... Maybe a time where one of Casemiro and Ericsson could take a breather. But also I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if Lassandro Martinez started. Because Martinez probably needs to start getting some reps back under his belt at, at centre back. Uh, he he had a okay substitute appearance against Everton. There were two or three times when him and Shaw bumped into each other and you're like, ah, yeah, you need to need to fine tune that. So I wouldn't be surprised if Tanag went. Right, Shaw left back. Gonna give Martinez left centre back and then another uh, at right centre back just to to keep that going I I would be interested to see who plays at goalkeeper because now Jack Butland has arrived
1: he's not played any matches this season at all in any competition so he's definitely not
0: cup tied so yeah he could throw him in couldn't he? I'm not sure if Butland was a sort of starting one in these things the way Ten Hag talked before the Everton game he, he really said having three experienced goalkeepers is important not just for games but for training as well which is one of those things of you don't often hear football managers describe that just that extra no the third goalkeeper be, doesn't just put the
1: be good to get them in for training Yeah, right?
0: it, it, you know we we often joke that the you third, go third goalie is just out there to put cones up but ten was like no he's, it's really important to have three goalies for training sessions because you want to have an experienced person at, at least for your strikers to shoot up against as well which is why it's, it's that thing that Ten Hag does that I haven't heard too many previous Manchester United managers talk about he he has that extra 5% or, or that extra attention to detail or or you know he finds time to make time in areas that you wouldn't expect a Manchester United manager to 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 want to concern themselves with I really didn't see Ten Hag go all right let me let me go have a look at the academy this early into his United tenure
1: Manchester Derby week as well, Andy, so it's vitally important that United get a result that sends them into that game full of confidence still, isn't it? You don't want any sort of complications on Tuesday night, do they, really?
2: No, it'd be out of order if if Dean, who calls himself a United fan and pays for a season ticket, knocks United out of the League Cup. I'd blank him if that happens. (laughs) Come up, come up. I wonder who'll be sat in his seat. I know. I think his brother has been going to matches and uh, his son went to watch Charlton play against Portsmouth at the weekend and at the end of the game was stood on his seat singing Dean Alden's Barmy Army and the steward said, get down <laughs> off the seat and he went, that's me dad, it's me, me dad's the <laughs> manager and the steward said, alright, fair enough, carry on then <laughs> and I love the little incidentals like that but look, Charlton Athletic, And not even at the top of League One. They've had a really poor season. Manchester United should, with respect, be brushing them uh, aside, even making a number of changes. So Bruno can't play, can he? No. And Donny van der Beek being injured adds a little bit of a tangent to that position, doesn't it? Because that might have been somewhere where Donny came in and played in, in the Bruno role. I still think Ten Hag will go quite strong. still think there'll be a huge crowd there. Really surprised me this season, the demand for tickets, despite all of these home matches. And what else? You're still hearing uh, songs against the Glazers every single match. It doesn't always go reported. And what else? Fans complaining about the way that the tickets are going up. There's a lot of discontent around the Barcelona uh, home tickets. And I know fans will always be annoyed when they don't get tickets. I know the club have absolutely got their perspective as well. But there are all these side issues from having so many Uh, home matches, but Manchester United should be beating Charlton Athletic. And I've got every confidence that Manchester United um, will do that. I hope Dean has a good night. I hope his family have a good night. Maybe like get one goal in a 5-1 defeat and then do one back to South London.
1: (laughs) We'll see what happens, but hopefully Manchester United will be heading into that Manchester derby full of confidence after making it through to the semi-finals of the League Cup. It's all going all right at the moment, isn't it, to be fair? We're we're previewing these matches with a smile on my face. But um, that's it now for Talk of the Devils. Fingers crossed, Carl, absolutely. Um, For the moment, we'll be back after that Charlton game. But we've just got to say thank you to Andy. Thank you to Carl as well for being with us. And thank you for listening at home. We'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye.